Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to worship at Milwaukee Mennonite Church. Uh, due to the uh, small number of individuals that we have here, because I think a lot of folks are traveling, whether it be for Mother's Day or otherwise, happy Mother's Day, everyone, by the way. Um, we're doing something a little bit different. Um, there was a suggestion that went out on the, um, on the listserv uh, to just kind of choose songs. So you might notice that there are four spaces in the uh, bulletin where it just says song. Um, if somebody would like to choose one that we all know pretty well at that point in time, we can do that. Um, I have some, some really common backups here suggested if nobody has any suggestions. but. Um, uh, at those point in times, uh, feel free to call something out uh, that you would like to sing. So, um, we're going to start with the with the land recognition, which is on uh, 878 of Voices Together. So, feel free to follow along if you would like. We acknowledge that we are gathering on the traditional territory of indigenous peoples. We affirm that settlers have specific responsibilities in the journey of reconciliation with indigenous peoples. Uh, in our case, that means the Menominee, the Potawatomi, the Ho-Chunk, the Fox, the Muscutin, uh, the Sauk and Ojibwe tribes. We give thanks to Creator and to those peoples who have stewarded this land for generations. We are grateful for the opportunity to live, work, and worship here as we witness the, the reconciling movement of the spirit and seek to live into right relations with our indigenous neighbors and all of creation. It just so happens that the call to worship is the one right above it. Uh, so if you would like to join me in saying that one, this is the invocation of the Holy Spirit, so it seemed appropriate given what the John passage is about today to focus on it. Um, so, if you all will join me in the all part, I will read the leader part. Come, Holy Spirit, enter our silences. Come, Holy Spirit, into the depths of our longing. Come, Holy Spirit, unmask our pretending. Enter our trusting, enter our fearing, enter our letting go, enter our holding back. Come, Holy Spirit. Embrace and free us. Amen.
think Norm mentioned in the, uh, in the chain that uh, this format was a little bit of an abridged format of what apparently the Corinthian church did. Um, the, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul describes it as everyone brings a song, a word, or uh, a word of prophecy, I think was the three categories. Um, but we're doing, I guess, a modified version of that <laughs> when folks come to worship. The uh, prayer of confession is located in Voices Together 893. Um, I, again, I'll read the unbolded parts, and if you all would join me on the bolded parts. For failing to love others as you have loved us, God of grace, forgive us. For wasting your gifts and hoarding our goods, God of grace, forgive us. For plundering the earth and abusing the planet, God of grace, forgive us. For fearing those who are strange to us and ignoring those in need, God of grace, forgive us. For losing heart and abandoning hope, God of grace, forgive us. For all the ways we turn from you, God of grace, forgive us. We offer our prayers in the name of the one who saves us, Jesus Christ. Amen.
The words of assurance are found in uh, Voices Together 902. If you all would join me in uh, saying that again, I'll uh, speak the unbolded part. If you all would join me in the bolded part. Praise to God who has given us life. Blessed be God for the gift of love. Praise to God who forgives our sin. Blessed be God who sets us free. Praise to God who kindles our faith. Blessed be God, our strength, our hope. The first reading for today is Acts 17, 22 through 31. Uh, there's a couple reasons why I chose to have this in the service. One, it's in the lectionary. Um, but the second reason is this is probably one of, it, it might be the most mistranslated passage in the entire New Testament. Um, and so I decided to have it included. There's a couple different ways you can mistranslate a passage. Um, the issue here is one of framing. The background situation that most translators assume is there is actually wrong. Uh, and it, they inflect some of the vocabulary through that misunderstanding. The misunderstanding is that Paul comes to Athens and a lot of translators assume that he gets kind of invited after he's preaching to a friendly philosophical debate by some local amateur philosophers. Uh, that is not what's going on at all. Um, the Areopagus, Mars Hill, was not a forum, it was a court. Uh, Paul is hauled in and being put on trial in this passage. Uh, and no early commentator on this passage failed to miss that. There's some, Luke is doing some interesting work here. He's likening Paul's trial to the trial of Socrates because they're both being tried for the same thing. So uh, keep that in mind in what Paul says here. If, uh, if he's engaging in friendly philosophical debate, he seems somewhat abrasive. If he's on trial, it's understandable why he would, you know, be abrasive. So, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very superstitious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And God is not served by human hands as if God needed anything. Rather, God gives, God, God's self gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one person, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole world. And God marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek God and perhaps reach out for God and find God, though God is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are God's offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, 
But now God commands all people everywhere to repent. For God has set a day when God will judge the world with justice by the one that God has appointed. God has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. John 14, 15 through 21. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in, in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Please pray with me. God of grace and glory, you fling the stars into the heavens, you see every sparrow fall. Deepen our trust in the mystery of your power shining through Christ Jesus and your Holy Spirit, that we may live your love for the world. Amen. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about birds. Our backyard leads onto a wooded area along the Menominee River Parkway, and my feeders are always busy. One afternoon, I counted 15 species in the course of about 10 minutes. Uh, recently, I have hollered to my family that there was a rose-breasted grosbeak at the feeder, which Peter dubbed the most dorky thing you have ever said. And that is actually saying a lot, because I say a lot of dorky things. And yet, to be honest, my family thought that was pretty cool, too. Several days ago, I caught a fleeting glimpse of an indigo bunting, a brilliantly blue iridescent bird that comes to Wisconsin seasonally to breed. I don't know much about these birds, so I googled, of course, and I read this fact. Indigo buntings migrate at night, using the stars for guidance. Researchers demonstrated this process in the late 1960s by studying captive indigo buntings in a planetarium and then under the natural night sky. The birds possess an internal clock that enables them to continually adjust their angle of orientation to a star, even as that star moves through the night sky. I mean, isn't that so cool? I don't even really care if it's dorky. I think it's super amazing. I imagine this bird, which spends its winters in Central America, responding to the internal clock of the seasons changing, navigating by the night stars to fly north, to Wisconsin, where it might even make a stop at my feeder. I remember the wonder that I had as a child and that I experienced through my children when the world was unexpected and exciting with every step. It's sometimes hard to find that wonder in our grown-up, jaded world, but imagining those birds making amazing transcontinental flights, that makes my heart sing. Paul says it in our reading from Acts, the God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands. 
in part maybe because God lives in the birds of the air, in the sunshine on our faces, in the budding leaves of the trees. And here's another wondrous thing. God lives in and around us, too. We just heard the idea that God lives in and with us introduced in our scripture reading from John. To put this scripture in context, we have to go back a few weeks. This is Monday, Thursday, the night before Jesus is crucified. He has washed his disciples' feet. He has sent Judas out to do the work that starts the whole weekend's events in motion. And now, Jesus is sitting with his friends around a table, talking. The disciples ask him many questions, as the disciples are always doing. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Show us the Father so we may understand. Why can't we go with you? Why are you only telling us these things and not the whole world? They are anxious, uncertain, unsettled. This is not how they thought things would go. Even though Jesus has been telling them this all along, they haven't gotten it, and they haven't really believed. Jesus, of course, understands this, because Jesus understood humans. And he answers them, a part of his answer being our text from today. This response by Jesus is often called the farewell discourse of Jesus because he's saying goodbye to his followers. And for the first time, they seem to understand that the next few days will be painful and that their leader may die. I can imagine what these disciples felt because I have known what it was like to lose someone who played an important role in my life. I imagine that many of you understand that too. If you've lost someone who was a mentor, friend, or parent to you, you know that those losses can shake you and leave you uncertain about how the future will look different after that person is gone. And sometimes we don't know how we're gonna live up to their example. I wonder if in this moment were those disciples asking those same questions. How do we keep Jesus' teachings, keep our faith, and keep working when Jesus is no longer walking alongside us? And Jesus responds to their questions with the passage we read today. In it, he's comforting to them. And Jesus is also comforting us. You will not be left alone. You will not be abandoned. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. One thing, as I was reading this passage in preparation for today, that struck me was that the spirit is given a male pronoun here. In other books of the Bible, the word spirit is given female pronouns. So why are they not consistent when referring to the same spirit of the Trinity? So allow me a little dorky language talk for a second, and any Bible scholars in the audience are feel free to correct me later during the response time. The word spirit here in the original Greek is pneuma. Many languages have gendered nouns, which is not something we have in English. So for example, in Spanish, which is my second language, a bridge is el puente. It's masculine, just by nature of the noun. A library is la biblioteca, feminine. Neither a bridge or a library is gendered, like we consider people or animals to be, but the words themselves are labeled with a gender. In Hebrew, which is the language most of the Old Testament was written in, spirit is ruach, 
which is a feminine noun. In this passage that we read today, though, the word was pneuma because it was originally written in Greek. What's interesting about the Greek language is that it has feminine and masculine nouns, just like Spanish or French or many other languages, but it also has a neuter noun, which is neither, which the word pneuma is. Really, when we translate this Greek word into English, either pronoun would work. She is just as legitimate as he, and you could also use they, them. The important point here is just because the noun is gendered doesn't mean that the spirit is. The spirit defies gender, just as it defies a one-word description like advocate. The word advocate that we had translated today in the original Greek is parakletos, which is a challenge to translate into English because that word had many varied meanings. Some people in their translation simply leave it as paraclete, which is a word that makes us stop and wonder at what that might mean. In various translations, the English word is given as advocate, comforter, helper, friend, counselor, companion. The mystery is that it is all of these things. The spirit, which is beyond the confines of gender, beyond the confines of a one-word definition, will be with us forever. This is Jesus' promise. What does this mean to the disciples? And what does it mean to us? Now, I wonder how the disciples felt when Jesus told them that this paraclete, this advocate, would be with them forever. Were they comforted? Still unsure? Worried for what the next few days would bring? Because what John makes clear is that the spirit, the paraclete, the advocate, is not the paraclete, but another paraclete. Jesus was the first. While Jesus was here on earth, the spirit was limited to his body, his ministry, his footsteps in the world. But when Jesus left the earth, his paraclete came to all his disciples, everyone who was in that room on that Monday Thursday. All who they taught and made believers received the paraclete too for thousands of years. The spirit even comes to us, is here as our comforter, our friend, and our advocate. The Spirit will be with us always. Unlike the disciples who sat around that table asking questions on the night before Jesus was killed, we have never seen Jesus. We experience him through prayer, scripture, fellowship, and by the movement of, of the Spirit, <clears throat> excuse me, which is always with us. How have you felt the Spirit moving? In what ways do you think the Spirit has gone unnoticed? and what would help you to be more present to the movement of the Spirit. For me, I see the Spirit when I do the really hard work of being fully present. When I walk in the woods, when I tickle a baby belly, when I sit with friends having hard conversations about things that we care about, when we challenge each other while being compassionate, when I imagine a small bird orienting itself to a star flinging itself bravely into the night sky. Make no mistake, the spirit is moving here. The spirit is moving now. She is always among us. He is our companion, advocate, and friend. They will never, ever leave us. Thanks be to God.
for our uh, prayer together, I'm actually going to use uh, a segment of Voices Together. So 985 has a whole bunch of different um, prompts for uh, various different types of community prayer or communal prayer. Um, we're actually going to use prompt F, which is called the call to enter se session. There, it's 985, but then there's a whole bunch of letters underneath it. Just find 985 and then F. Um, and I'm going to be using that. Um, and I'll probably be, it's got open spaces for sharing prayers of various different sorts. I will probably just allow silence to happen during the, the open sections. Um, and then, uh, Mandy, I'll, I'll put a petition in for Lee uh, in the midst of that. There is uh, a community part and a leader part. So again, if uh, I'll read the unbolded parts, and if you would join me on the bolded parts. Please pray with me. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Gracious God, we bring our prayers to you as acts of love for you and for our neighbors. God of mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for ourselves and those dear to us. God of mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our community and for our neighbors. God of mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the church. God of mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the world. God of mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for other concerns that we carry with us in our hearts. God of mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Our benediction for today is not a traditional benediction, but you know, sometimes when you're looking for worship resources in the back of the book, you find very interesting things. Um, this is a worker's prayer, and I figure since uh, many of us are going to be returning to a work site on Monday of some sort, um, that it would work as a benediction. So. Um, it is number 956, if you would like to uh, say it with me, uh, in Voices Together. A worker's prayer. God of work and rest, you have linked our lives one with another. All we do affects, for good or ill, all other lives. Guide us in the work we do 
that we may do it not for self alone, but for the common good. And as we seek a proper return for our own labor, let us make us mindful of the rightful aspirations of other workers and arouse our concern for all who are out of work. Through Jesus Christ, carpenter, teacher, healer, beloved child of God, amen. Go in peace, serve the Lord. <laughs>